0: Hello, I'm Bruce Tolgan, author of The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, just published by Harvard Business Review Press. And this is The Indispensables, a podcast featuring conversations with real go-to people who stand the test of time in the real world of work. What makes them tick? In this episode, I talk with Ryan Mayotte, Director of Sales Capability at CDW, a leading provider of technology services and products. I am thrilled to welcome today Ryan Mayot, a man whom I've come to admire. Uh, he is an executive at one of my favorite clients, CDW, and he's one of these people who really manifests in real life what I'm trying to get across when I describe go-to people. Uh, So let me read his uh, bio so that I I make sure I get it right. Ryan Mayotte is Director of Sales Capability for CDW, a leading multi-brand technology solutions provider to business, government, education, and healthcare customers in the United States, the United Kingdom, and Canada. Ryan is responsible for leading and evolving seller and sales manager capability. Ryan also oversees Launch, the first day orientation experience for all new CDW co-workers. Ryan's positive energy, along with his passion for developing others and continuous learning, have allowed him to deliver consistent results across multiple roles. Welcome, Ryan.
1: Bruce, well, thank you for that intro. Happy to
0: be here with you. Been a while. Well, it has, and um, I've I've been honored and privileged to work with CDW. Just so people know, uh, what is the scope of CDW, this this company where you've been for twenty five years? What are the billions?
1: Well, you know, we, we've we've achieved great growth over uh, the thirty plus years of being in business. Yeah, Bruce. At the end of twenty nineteen, we hit eighteen billion dollars.
0: Billion. billion. Excellent. It's no small thing to rise uh, through the ranks as you have, you know, I could describe you all day long and people who read about the go-to people whom I describe, I like to say they are not mythic characters. Uh, They're real people. What's your secret to success? I I love how you show up, how you conduct yourself, how you treat people. Uh, How would you describe your secret to success?
1: I don't know if I have a secret per se, but uh, I know you know you and I have talked about this in the past. And for me, it it's about that that it, you call it the real influence and earning that influence. And I look at it as, uh, you know, how others are going to give me that influence. So it's earned over time, and I serve others because it's just right. It it has to be collaborative. It can't just be, Oh, I'll help you. If you kind of help me mentality. And I, I feel that that influence ties nicely with followership or why would people want to be led by you. So it comes down to serving others, ultimately. And it's those moment by moment. Interactions that you have with them over a longer period of time and not only builds relationships, but that's how real influences is built and I take personal responsibility to understand what others want to accomplish, both personally, professionally, understanding who they are at work. I love to know what motivates them. How can I inspire them? I ultimately love to challenge them. They all know that. I love to be out of the comfort zone. And I came to realize it's over time, they may come back and they're giving it influence. They may not remember what I said to them, however long ago, but they sure as heck remember how I made them feel. And how did you make them feel? I got them to feel good about what they were doing. I got them to feel good about who are they helping. What is their role in their current uh, job responsibilities? What who are they helping to serve in the in the company? At the end of the day, are they are they accomplishing the company's mission, the team's mission? Are they having fun doing it? And I'm always trying to get underneath. Uh, what drives them so that they can be the best that they can be at work?
0: So you've said a lot, you you, you emphasize service, you emphasize lifting people up. You also emphasize pushing people uh, and helping them serve others. Um, sometimes when I talk about this mindset, I think people say, well, you know, gee, is this totally selfless? What's in it for me? What, so what's in it for you?
1: So that's a great question. Uh, for me, is you get to know me, and this is where it's it is it is difficult because it's it's intangible. For me, it's the it's the I love the aha moment they get when someone achieves something that they didn't think they could do. I love when they they learn a new skill set or they apply and retry something different that was out of their comfort zone and learn something new. So what's in it for me is just that that I get watching someone develop and learn and grow, and then being able to pay that forward, or them going down the, the, the rows or the halls and smiling ear to ear with that. So that's really what's in it for me, Bruce. There's not much there. So, behind so,
0: it. so one thing that's in it for you is how it makes you feel. Yes. It's something uh, that's, it is intangible because we're talking here about uh, selling computer solutions, selling technology solutions, right? And yet somehow what's driving you is it makes you feel great to make other people feel great. Yes, absolutely. And it, it certainly has served you well in your career.
1: Well, I guess it has. You know, I look at it again, something I've had to go back on and do is really think just about reflecting on my impact and the impact I've had. In the beginning, it was when I was learning to lead and manage people, it was, oh, I got to get it done and go on to the next thing. And, you know, not looking back, it's celebrating the one moment and then it's on to the next. But what I've had to do is really on a regular basis, take that time to look back and reflect on the impact, not just that I've had on others or the team or the org, but the impact that, the team and the key stakeholders of any project that I'm working on uh, have had to the business, their area, uh, and the organization.
0: And so, uh, what I want to get at, because I think you are you are one of those people who really conveys an authentic service mindset. And and I think some people, when they think about that, they think, gee, that's just not me. Or or they think, um, uh, well, you know, no hard feelings. I got to feed my family. And I mean, obviously you've been immensely successful. Um, I mean, I don't know how big a cut of the 17 billion you get.
1: We actually had hit $18 billion.
0: 18 billion, uh, a billion here, a billion there, pretty soon you're talking about real money. Yes, absolutely. But, but there's a different wealth that you accumulate and, and you alluded to it, it's what I call real influence it's uh that wealth you have when other people are glad when you succeed uh, when other people want to work with you uh, when other people want to make good use of your time uh, when other people want you to want to work with them it's not financial wealth but it is an incredible asset right yes
1: yes you know there's multiple things that I think fall into that. And you also asked or, or mentioned, you know, what is it you're known for? What is it you want to be known for uh, within your network, the company, the organization, et cetera? Uh, it's often finishing what you started, continuous improvement. Like you and I have talked about, it's not just people usually default to continuous improvement with yourself versus, hey, it's, it's, it's bigger than that. It's continuous improvement with, Uh, the cross-functional team you're part of in these crazy days, there's a lot of matrix. So I'm working with stakeholders in multiple areas of the business in multiple uh, uh, under multiple uh, different leaders. And it's how do you coordinate all of them and have continuous improvement with the larger group? And I think overall that also drives your culture. You know, what is your culture like? So when I think of continuous improvement, it's, how do you improve the processes? How do you improve driving better results? How do you improve your overall working relationships? A great example of something that we we, we do on the larger ones and I think we need to do on some of the uh, smaller projects is really debriefing post-work, post-project, post-assignment versus, oh, I got to go and jump onto the next project and get my other resources lined up. and. The thing that's difficult with that is it takes discipline. So, you know, are there uh, successes to be celebrated? Did people go above and beyond and work their butt off? How can you do that? Something I do personally is I'll take the time out on a day or week and write personal uh, thank yous. Uh, Some are handwritten thank yous. Some are thank yous to the boss's boss's boss, uh, including something that they've done. Another thing that we do is examine that process as a group, not just, I'm going to grab one of my managers or my management team and talk through what, what went well, what do we wish we would have done better? What would, what do we wish we would have known? And making it structured. It can't just be picking up the phone. Hey, so-and-so, what'd you think about that project? Yep. Yep. Great. Great. Let's move on. It's really constantly uh, trying to document and understand how we can make the next project better? What can we take so we're not reinventing the wheel and starting from scratch?
0: Yeah, that's what we call, or what uh, I call uh, borrowing from the military and the intelligence community, what they call an after action review. Uh, And, um, uh, you know, hey, what did we do? How did it go? How can we do better? I know you guys do uh, have a a large government sector where you uh, provide services to the military. I don't know if they learned it from you or if you learned it from them, but I think they've been doing it for a while. <laughs> yes. and and uh, and yes, you are a great example of somebody who uh, practices that what I call that supersonic thank you. Um, and you are I think you're known for your for your thank yous, among other things. Let, let's talk about, well, let me ask you what about some of the people whom you admire in your career, people you've tried to model yourself after you can use names if you want, but, but what what is it, what are the traits that that draw you to people and make you wanna be more like that?
1: Well, that's that's a great question. And, and Bruce, it, it's not that I don't wanna name people, but I don't want people to latch on to a name, whether it's external or internal, because for me, depending on the role, the team, the ask, uh, I often find myself Uh, It ties to the continuous improvement that we discussed and I'm always a student of the game. So for me, it's finding out who's the best at what it is we're trying to go do because I can't tell you how many times I've been tasked with something and I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but sure as heck going to go figure it out. Or it's probably something that's been done in the past. Someone must be, uh, must have done this. There's probably a book out there. There's probably a podcast, there's videos, uh, who in the org has done it. I'm going to go ask a lot of questions about uh, that and I'm going to go to them. Then I'm going to get some time with them. What are their best practices? Is anything documented? Have you ever written a plan on what it is we're trying to accomplish? Can I see it? It might need some tweaking, but I, if I don't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch, and I know you asked about, you know, who do I see influences? It's each one. Like I feel blessed in my career to have had mentors that have coached, uh, taken the time out of their day. And I, I've taken that to pay that forward. If someone wants some time, I'm going to put it on the calendar. I'm going to account for it, uh, both internal and external. I've got some partners. I look to you, Bruce. Um, how many times have I reached out to you and just ran something by you? and. You know, sometimes it's just talking out loud with somebody who is outside of the current environment to get a feel of what, what other options are on the table. So for sales, I'm going to look for sales leaders. For product and partner management, I'm going to look for those leaders within that, either that area of the business. We've got some really great leaders all doing a lot of the same things that I've learned and done and tried to pay forward.
0: How, how much of, what when you think about, okay, you know, I've gotta go find someone to work with on project X, Y, or Z. Part of it, of course, is you need to find somebody who's good at what they do, they're an expert. What else do you look for besides expertise? What, what, what is it that makes you want to work with someone else?
1: What are their standards of excellence? Are they known for hitting their, their time commitments? Are they, how are they seen in the organization? Do others wanna work with them? Have I worked with them before? Are they known for being reliable, consistent? Um, do they get things done? Often I'm walking around and I'm laughing right now because I can imagine even now uh, when I do virtual calls, sometimes we'll jump on the phone and it's, Ryan, you getting it done? Or I'm asking, hey, you getting it done today? And they all know what it means. The underlying tone of, hey, are you getting the right things done that have been asked of you? And sometimes you need a a leader to help get you aligned to what needs to get done and what are the right things to get done. So I'm often looking for those leaders. I have a, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to have great leadership now where I use my boss as a mentor and we're always bouncing things off of each other and challenging each other. Uh, I'll say sometimes I need that gut check, which is typically feedback and I thrive on, that type of uh, feedback. So I'm looking for someone who's willing to come out and be transparent and direct versus wishy-washy and going around subject matter or going around things um, just in general.
0: Yeah, one of the things I'm thinking, I know you're a triathlon uh, Mm -hmm. athlete, so you know a thing or two about playing the long game and uh, pacing yourself, right? And uh, how much uh, does that inform uh, how you approach your work and your working relationships?
1: Yeah, I I would say a lot Uh, when you think about uh, in terms of the working relationships you have across the business. And it's it's no longer, and it hasn't been for years, it's no longer that vertical uh, alignment with projects and you work in your silo to get things done. You need to play the long game. across just almost everything you do in terms of how you get things done. So how I manage my day to day, I'm constantly thinking, all right, what are the must do things I need to get done today without question? I have my project list that's ongoing. Those are gonna be the long-term things. And then how do I chunk my day down to get those things done? I, I, I would go back and forth Uh, in, In terms of the long play, I used to try to block large segments of my day off and I'd look back and go, man, what did I accomplish in that three hour block? I have found the 30, 45, 60 minute blocks and just straight focus helped me get those things done. And again, you talked about the long game and that sounds like I'm talking about the short game, but it's those things in those daily uh, interactions or th- those daily chunks of time that lead to the long, long-term gain of really anything.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the long game is made up of, a, of a one short-term action after another, right?
1: Yes, um, absolutely.
0: So uh, I think sometimes people think that the short-term and the long-term uh, are not part of the same equation, uh, but uh, you, you know how. If you're playing the long game, it has a big impact on on what you do moment to moment,
1: right? Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So, so tell me, uh, what do you do? What, what's your strategy when there's too much to do and not enough time? Let me um, think out loud here for a second. If if you're totally committed to service, right? If what you want is to build other people up to add value uh to do the right thing moment by moment you know that leads a lot of people to uh you know you you don't want to say no you you if you want to serve you can easily find yourself overwhelmed in the short term uh but if you burn out then you're of no use to anyone right and in fact you you probably have to have other people help you clean up messes so um I, I, I think you wouldn't be where you are in 25 years i mean that's the long game how do you deal with it moment to moment when you're overwhelmed i mean look some people what they say is i just work harder than everyone
1: else yes no i, I that that it there's way more to it uh i feel uh you know i think you call it the not yet i sometimes call it the slow yes uh, <laughs> when it tom- comes to those and Let's face it, most people generally want to help others and they feel saying yes is gonna be job security. They feel saying yes shows that they're valuable, but that isn't the case. I have had to learn in some cases painfully, you know, the strategic no. And I've gotten much better at understanding and ask or what is coming at me. Uh, A great example of something that I, I could say I'm doing just right now is I have a peer, the senior leader in the company. And she and I have two separate teams that have different projects, but a ton of what we work on overlaps each other. We have to rely on those resources. So something that we do is we have a project doc, activity tracker, whatever you wanna call it. We meet several times a week to review what's on there. And it's it's got your typical things on that. What are the time commitments? When's the completion date? We also have a little drop-down thing for which resources we've used, and then depending on the project size and scope, we may even have number of hours this resources is, is uh, putting towards that particular project. Well, then the other key important thing is those structured check-ins, where we talk about, hey, how is the project looking? We seem to be going to these people quite a bit. Can we rope in anyone else to get a new skill set, bring them up, uh, or ramp them up on a new thing? even better is we're able to use that it gives us two things the our our team and our frontline gets to see that hey we see what they're doing we're on top of it but more importantly when we're each talking to uh, different senior leaders or our boss we have that alignment we're able to have that conversation in case something comes up and trumps something on the list we're immediately on the phone saying hey This just came across. We're going to have to do this, this area of the business, this particular thing happened. How can we rally and and bring the team? And then we can look at that doc and say, all right, these four people, they're slammed. And we actually have it called slammed in the doc. So we don't touch them and it's who else can we bring in. It guides us to say, hey, this person's slammed right now with the other projects. I don't want to say yes and have them be on it because then something within their purview that they're working on today is going to be, uh, it's probably going to get delayed or so, they're going to have too many balls in the air.
0: And and it's not just, I mean, of course, part of that is you're trying to, to lead um, in a sensitive way and realizing that you don't want to burden someone, you don't want them to burn out, right? There are lots of um, reasons uh, that are about taking care of that person and owning your responsibility as a leader to take care of Absolutely. that person. But But it also sounds like there are good business reasons to make sure that even if somebody's a go-to person, you don't go to them so much that they're overwhelmed because then you're setting them up for failure.
1: Absolutely, failure, burnout, they're not gonna be having fun. Uh, You know, Something I feel we do really well as a leadership team is when a new ask or request comes in of any one of the senior leaders on the team Uh, we really do strive to understand the ask. What are the time commitments? What resources are needed? What's the timeline? Who else have they reached out to? I'll use your term, not yet. It could be the slow ask. Maybe maybe I become the consultant or the helper and I point them to another person that I feel is a go-to person that might have bandwidth or at least they can go reach out to, but it's not an official yes at that point. So it's going back to understand more.
0: Going back to understand more, uh, yeah, what I call not yet, yeah, you call a slow yes, a slow yes. Hey, listen, uh, yeah. you know that that that's that's part of how to say yes, right? Maybe it's yes, we'd love to do that, but it's going to be in three weeks, or we're not quite sure when we'll be able to allocate the time for that. Yep, you got it. So t- let me ask you in terms of integrity, character, trust. Where do you put that on the spec? I mean, let's say uh, on the one hand, you've got technical expertise and hard work and diligence. On the other hand, you've got integrity, authenticity, service-mindedness, trust. How important are those to you? And does it depend on how much of a hurry you're in or?
1: It's it's a non-question. It's never compromise integrity. The ethics are key you'd never wanna be known for that, that person. Cause if, if they even, even on something that might be small that they're willing to sacrifice, what else are they willing to sacrifice when you're not looking? Um, for me, I, I like to think that's actually one of the things I'm known for is high integrity, never compromise who I, I hold myself aco- to those accountable to those high standards. And yeah, that, that's up there, Bruce.
0: And what about when you're when you're going to somebody else? Like you're you're in a rush. You're over. You know you've you've got too much to do, not enough time. Your people have too much to do, not enough time. You've got to find a, a resource. You got to find a technical expert, somebody who gets things done. But how about that soft data? The the that. I mean, how much do people? How much are people known for? Uh, whether they say what they're going to do and do it. Whether they. Uh, Follow through whether they cut sure. corners, whether they honor uh, confidences, all of these kind of soft data points.
1: Yeah, and in some cases, you know, you don't know because you get a, a resource from another area of the business or you start, you get put into a project and you might not know uh, in the beginning or you haven't had time to your point to do the due diligence because it, it just happened. But if you're doing the regular check ins, you're having regularly structured meetings, that becomes evident if timelines are getting pushed or if someone's not carrying their weight. And, you know, I think it's all about striving to have an, uh, a plan of action in place and having it visible, with clear expectations so people know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And if someone's off, maybe you need to have more regular check ins with them. And that's not a bad thing, per se. Maybe they don't know how to do it, and they just want some help, or they don't know how to ask for the help. So I, I feel it's on myself or my leaders to go have a conversation with that person. I always have, I always feel people have the best of intents, and maybe they just need some guidance in, in getting through their tasks, or maybe they don't have a plan, and we can help them organize, structure, get things in order. Heck, if I can help pay that for it, all the better.
0: Have you had experiences where you run across somebody who's you know, one of these sort of low integrity folks and what do you do about that?
1: Depending on what it is, for me, it might be awkward. It could be someone you've known for years and it's addressed in that moment. If, if it's happening right there and it's a large group and you know something um, was done or said or uh, wasn't done to the right spec or they cut some corners, it's either Having the discipline to stop what you're doing, pull that person aside, get them in line, let them know what they did or didn't do, and have that conversation. If it's something bigger, it needs to be reported up. You can't let it go. And I think that is also part of the long game because people will know, like, hey, he did not compromise even on that little incident that happened
0: whenever. Can you teach integrity? I mean, that's, I think that's an age old question. I just, i wonder if you've had that experience of can you teach that
1: i like to th- i like to think you can lead by example and if people don't see me taking shortcuts or my leadership team taking shortcuts and doing things that aren't ethical that it's it's gonna uh, transcend down across vertically diagonally across the company and you're going to become known as someone who isn't gonna tolerate that so i like to think leading by example is a huge part of that
0: how would you describe what is true north you know someone
1: who is is consistent doesn't compromise that's and they've they've just earned that over time i think that that uh, sets them up and their team up and the organization up for uh future success
0: let me ask you do you have a story about a time where you've actually been faced with too much to do not enough time you know you're you're in that zone where you're in danger of just trying to outwork everyone and juggle and uh have you ever been in that situation
1: yo of course absolutely uh sometimes i feel it's too often uh i also feel you know i've i always am constantly uh talking about having a plan whether it's own the morning a lot of my team knows it's all about for me owning the morning it is a theme within the team. And you know, sometimes you have some meetings, okay, you could still own the time around that morning because something is always going to come up. So from the time you come in or start your day to call it 11, 11.30, whatever time you need that lunch to be, have it planned, have it structured, know what you need to get accomplished in that time. If it's, for me, it's, I have certain blocks of time. And then in my afternoon there could be the random meetings that's usually when i'm gonna do my follow-ups or my fire drills you know sometimes the it's not just the house roof is on fire the whole city block somehow caught fire and (laughs) all right well if i've got done what i needed to do in the morning i should be able to react to that in the day and not miss a beat it's when i i lose sight or i feel others lose sight of not having a plan not structuring the day or the week things start piling up and then you're Going to one and then going to one, you're you're doing a little bit at a time, but never really accomplishing anything. So you call it finishing what you start. I, I mean, I legitimately call it getting it done and doing one thing at a time, so you can move on to that next.
0: I love own the morning. Is it possible? Uh, I mean, some people maybe they own they own the night. Some people they own the afternoon. But you got to own some chunk of time.
1: Yes, you do. You need to own some chunk of time. You know, depending on depending on the role or or the area of the business you're in, yes, that can be fluctuated. I think certain areas of the business um, you need to own that morning to get uh, the productivity that you need done.
0: Piece of advice, uh, word of wisdom. uh, What what's your best career advice?
1: Could go on and on on that one. I love so. I don't think there's one piece. um, As a leader, you know, putting your team first and loving what you do, having that passion to go in there and the excellence matters. I mean, yeah, it's how you conduct yourself each and every day that you show up to work. You can control your attitude, your tone, your your language and your expressions and your body language.
0: Excellent, Ryan Mayotte, the $18 billion man. Uh, thank you for being a guest on The Indispensables. Bruce, my pleasure and thank you again for having me. In our next episode, I'll be talking with Kimberly Dwinell, Director of Global Diversity and Inclusion for the Northrop Grumman Corporation. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Any little bit helps to drive us up the charts. You can learn more about go-to-ism and the techniques which make indispensable people stand out in their jobs and careers and lives in my new book, The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, available now from Harvard Business Review Press, available wherever books are sold. If you're interested in bulk orders, please check the show notes for more information. And finally, you can learn more about our work at Rainmaker Thinking by visiting us at rainmakerthinking.com, by following me on Twitter at Bruce Tulgan, or find me on LinkedIn and Facebook at the links in the show notes. Until next time, stay strong and be indispensable at work.